Well, yet another exclusive for Turf Business TV. Uh, we're joined by Steve Winterburn, who's Head of Grounds here at Brighton Hove Albion. We're in the lovely, almost brand spanking new Amex Stadium. Steve, thanks for your time today. It's okay. Still busy. Um, season's over for you. Bad bad news on the uh, the promotion, but you know, it came close. Yeah, you know, it, it was a good run the team had and disappointed at the end, but they, they've done very well for us this season, so I think the club's very proud of what the first team achieved getting so close, but not quite there this yeah. year. There's always next season, isn't there? That's so. right. And although season's over, it's not quite over for you yet because we've still got something going on in the background here. There's a, a corporate game going on. Yes, that's right. Um, once our first team season's finished, we, we have um, yeah, corporate games on the pitch, opportunity for people connected with the club, the sponsors, etc., to, to come and use the facility, enjoy themselves. And uh, I think it's a good thing that it promotes the club, you know, our, our connections with our, with, with our uh, fans and, and sponsors, and uh, hopefully they're enjoying the surface. Yeah, well, great news for them. Great news for the club. What kind of news is it for you, though? It's delaying your, you know, re rejuvenation of the pitch for next season, isn't it? Uh, it does. I mean, I, I think it's a case of getting the strategy right with, with this. Uh, we look at the, the, the time um, scales involved between the end of the season and the start of next season. And the directors are very good. They do uh, lays very, very well with me in regards to what we can do out on the surface. Right. To utilise it, generate a little bit more income. Course, these yeah. corporate games are doing, and still allow enough time to get the surface uh, renovated, ready for next season. So you start what in a week or so? Yes, that's right. Uh, we'll, we'll start next week. It'll be um, June, June the first. We'll start the renovation works, and uh, we'll complete those within three or four days, and that should give us seven to eight weeks to get the pitch grown back in. So what's the process for this year then? What are you, you going to be doing? It's been quite a tough season. The, the autumn winter was, was a little bit difficult this that's just gone by and uh, the surface, we've got to get uh, all the grass off. There's going to be a very deep phrase mode. Uh, not a turnover of the actual soil itself, um, but the, the grass will all be removed. Back almost to scratch. That's right, yes. Yeah. Going to seed it again and then take Yes, it? yeah, that's the plan. Uh, growing from seed is always the best way if you can do that. And... Uh, Again, we, we've uh, normal weather conditions, etc. We should we will be okay. There's it, always a slight risk involved in, in when you are when you do completely strip the pitch off. You're always starting to look at the clock straight away. Sure. Uh, but un unless something um, really wayward happens, then, then we'd be fine to get the pitch back. Five years into this new stadium, has the seed mix stayed the same since the start, or have you made any tweaks? Uh, differences every year. Suppliers they bring out new cultivars, you yeah. know, and it's always a case of that the industry are uh, pursuing uh, the best they can they can provide for us to use. I, I think the technical aspects involved in, in the grasses has, has gone uh, much more advanced now than it was maybe 15, 20 years ago, perhaps. Sure. And the demands of the, of the pitches are much higher now. People expect to see the surface looking pristine all year round. Very challenging to achieve that. Uh, in midwinter, of course, especially. Absolutely, yeah. But the cultivars that they're producing and the way they're tested, the way we can we can uh, liaise with the uh, independent companies that provide that data for us yep. to see how this, the grasses are performing Is under that trials. STRI. Yeah, that's right. And STRI, the trials they do. Uh, I think that's quite widely recognised in the industry sure. as a good indicator. Uh, that we you do any with. of your own trials at all? Uh, have done in the past, and, and again, I try to mix up a little bit. I'm always trying to look look at what's coming onto the market, you know, sure. and uh, and talking to other people, other other groundsmen, how they found uh, results, especially you know, uh, in, the, in the stadiums or or out on training pitches. Um, and I, I do like to mix up a little bit. Okay, so you're not used. wedded to one supplier? No, no. Who are you working with currently then? Uh, well, the, the two suppliers I, I use at the moment, Barenberg, one. 
okay. and and Rippy Taylor, a, a stroke top green, are the, okay. the other one that uh, provide the, the seed mixtures that we use. Any particular reasons that those two at the moment? I tend to find that um, I've used them quite for many years now, so you get you get a feel uh, if they're performing well, what they're coming out the seed houses, the cultivars that they're, they're providing. Um, I like to mix up a little bit. I don't like to stay with one. I, I tend to think that uh, although each mixture we're using uh, this year and previous years tends to have four cultivars, for example, in the Barenberg mix, yeah. four cultivars or five in the in the Rigby Taylor top green mix, I tend to jumble them all up and end up okay. with seven, eight cultivars going into the pitch. Oh, wow, okay. So, which so some, you're creating your own hybrid mix then, really? I am, really, and I've had this philosophy in my head for a long time. I look at a situation where you've got a monoculture of dwarf perennial rye. Yeah. Um, that can bring some challenges sometimes in how the chemistry works with the grasses and when they're up against situations. So my, my thought is that the more cultivars I can blend in, um, gives me the better chance in certain situations. So that helps you fight disease or, or can yes, I, I believe so. I, I think so. I think I think there's a again monocultures can suffer from that. Disease can can uh, sometimes uh, come in, and you could struggle sometimes. And some cultivars breaking up a little little bit more uh, can help that. Can help restrict that. Okay, so you're not wedded to one seed house. No. What's your view on equipment then? Are you tied into one supplier or are you you no, cherry picking? Again, I, I tend to, I tend to shop around, and uh, I know people that tend, you know some people get ideas that they get a certain manufacturer they, they they love the kit and that's fine. My school of thought is I, I tend to shop around a lot, and, I, and I've got various um, uh, manufacturers' machinery in our armory. For example, I use Toro, I use Jacobson, uh, Dennis. You know, Ransom's Mastiffs, um, so I juggle up quite a bit. So a mix of stuff both here and at the training ground. Yes, that's right. We don't tend to try to move equipment around between sites too much. I tend to try to run them as independent as I can. Sure. So, and, and it may sound inefficient, but it's actually more efficient because we're not relying on one site or the other to, to try and supplement works. We're able to look after ourselves on each site. Yeah if that makes sense. Got you, yeah. So and we're two teams within one, but uh, I tend to find it works better that way. So what do you look at when you're making a, a decision on a piece of kit? What's the key factors for you? Well, these days you have to be mindful on uh, a lot of the operator's regulations, for example, okay. noise levels, emission levels, uh, vibration levels with equipment coming in. Health and safety is very much first and foremost, of course, because if you can't work safely, then you can't work at all. Sure. So uh, that, that's one big factor. Performance, of course. I tend to try out machines for the biome, making sure of it okay. with, with certain uh, grass cutting equipment to see the performance they give. And again, I try to, to speak to other people when I can who've already got that equipment. So for you, you get the kit demoed on your own turf? And yes, so yes, bring it in, in your, your if possible. Yeah. And most of the suppliers are generally happy to do that. They want me to be happy, of course, if I'm going to make a sure. purchase. So, and, and, and it's uh, right and proper to go through trials first. Okay, so if you picked out one piece of kit that's been the best investment you've made in your career, what would that right. be then? I, I think in recent times, I think the Toro Procore okay. uh, stands out in itself uh, as an aeration machine, pedestrian aeration machine. I think it's a very robust piece of equipment. Uh, the work rate's very high, the performance is very good. Myself, personally, I don't think there's much else in the market can touch that with regards to uh, pedestrian aeration. Yeah. I'm, here's me thinking you were going to say lighting rigs because although we've got you know, nice open air, a lot of light well, coming in right. here, yeah. you, you don't have it easy here with light, do you? No, that's right. Uh, every stadium I think has got its own environment, microclimate, yeah. and the uh, stadium here, although the roofs uh, look translucent, they actually don't let any sunlight through at all. So, uh, as with most grounds, the big stands tend to be on the west-south sides. Yeah. Um, and by the time we get into, into the winter months, we, we do struggle um, 
with sunlight, natural sunlight, to hit sure. the surface. By midwinter, we are virtually in a, a 99% plus shade on the, on the pitch. So what lighting setup have you got? When the stadium was constructed five years ago, part of that um, factor of what we needed here was to, to incorporate a lighting rig system right. into the costs. So at the time, um, I went for the MLR system, okay. uh, the Norwegian built uh, rigs, so we, we got four of the MLR um, 100 rigs and uh, one of the smaller M12 rigs we use for goalmouth areas sure. at the time, so, so to supplement. In terms of the time scale for you to get the lights across the pitch, is it relatively efficient? Or? It's pretty good. Uh, once, we, once we get going, we usually work on the basis of a program on a week's basis to get across the whole surface. Moving it around on a daily, twice, uh, two days basis, yeah. Okay, so light's very important to you. Yeah. What else is important to you here? What's, what's the other particular challenges that this stadium and indeed your training ground give you? If you're talking about uh, microclimates in the stadium, we, we, again, airflow is okay. It's not too bad okay. considering um, light's the issue, but we do, it does get very damp in here. Challenges has come up as a word quite often in this, this chat so far. Yeah. <laughs> One of your big challenges was pulling this place together, and obviously, yep. I think your career and Let's talk about your career now. Okay. I mean, you started out where? I think the first uh, time I was involved in sports surf was actually working on, on uh, school grounds. Right, okay. Um, and was that, that was with a long a time ago. No, no, no. It, it, was, it, was, it was employed at a private school and, okay. I, and I started doing some work there. Um, at the time, knowing nothing at all really about sports surf. So, what attracted you to the job in the first place then? I think the, the, the work involved. Um, was was very healthy healthy work. It's very interesting. Yeah. I found it very interesting to start with. Really, the, the production of sports surfaces, um, how you, how you can provide something that people enjoy to play on, play sport on. Sure. How you can make them look aesthetically as well that people enjoy to to see. And so over the years, the technical side has grown uh, very quickly, and that's kept it very interesting to keep up with the time, so to speak, on the different pitch designs that have come into play. But that was your attraction into it, so you yep. started off at a school. Yeah, and then I did have some experience in golf. Yep. Went on to golf for a couple of years. Um, enjoyed that, that was interesting. Um, swung back again onto, onto multi-sport surfaces, uh, cricket, uh, rugby, football, hockey, um, on artificial and grass, oh, okay. uh, tennis. So I got quite a broad um, working environment. Uh, for several years. And then was it about 10, 11 years ago you got involved with Brighton? Yes, that's right. Um, it, 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 was a, it was back in 2001 when they'd been at uh, with Dean Stadium for well, two years. It's more 15 years than 10, 11, isn't it? Yeah, well, I suppose, it, <laughs> sorry, yes, thinking back, I was thinking about the current, um, only, only so that because when I came to the club in 2001, it was a situation there where I was more of a um, consultant advisor. Right, okay. We actually started the maintenance of with Dean Stadium uh, pitch ourselves in 2004. Ah, right, okay, so that, that kind of stacks up. That's, okay. So that's where the, the change yeah. is. But no, going back initially, uh, 2001 was when I got involved with the club. Um, they were looking for someone to help them out, advise them um, what, how to invest in, in the surface at Withdean, which was a council-run facility, still right. is. Um, and luckily enough, it was, a, it was somewhere we could come in back to the city, the club come and play football again after being away for a couple of years in Gillingham. Right, yeah. So I travelled around a bit and um, and so I, I was uh, I got the job to help to help as an advisor, um, position of head groundsman, but at the time we had no staff. Right, okay. It was all contractors and my, my role was to liaise with the with the council, local authority, to li liaise with their contractors and try and get the best we could from what we were paying 
to use the facility at Wifty. Okay, so directional role, yep. but you really didn't have an awful lot of control, I guess. So frustrating? Uh, yeah, challenging again. <laughs> another, another challenge. Yeah. Um, and I think when you when you have that sort of setup, you, yeah, you can, you can go in the houses quite a bit to try and get to try and achieve um, what you need to, to do for the for the team. So uh, that that was that was um, yeah. A bit long-winded at times. Okay, so with Dean, yep, join there permanently, and then within what, four or five years, you, you start the transition to here. I guess yes, that's right. It started before that, I'm sure. The plans on the table yeah. way back then, really, okay. in 2001, and um, the campaign went on for for many years. Of course, public inquiries, yeah, uh, that, that kept going, and eventually we got there. The club got there, so that was that was good. Club are coming back to, to have their own home in the city again, and uh, we, we all were very excited about that. So. so, what was your involvement in the design and the planning for the stadium? Then? Mainly, the pitch was, was yep. the thing really for me. Um, to, to go out and uh, do some research, look where current pitch designs uh, were in the market, where they're performing, how they were performing. Uh, so, it was a lot of information gathering process that, that took a bit of time to then to present to the club my thoughts yeah. and based on facts I'd, that I'd researched and, and then my own personal ideas as well of course on how um, or what would be the, the best selection to provide for what we, what we wanted. And did you have any input or were you asked your opinion on the design of the stadium part of it and what impact that would have on you being able to grow some playable surfaces? Yeah I mean there was the issue of the, the roof design and, and how we would get the shade patterns that was, that was all researched, uh, models were created in labs to test for wind, for wind movement yeah. as, as well as light and, or shade um, and from that it was a good base to put a case forward to have a lighting rig system to go, to go with the stadium as soon as it was built so part of the, part of the package really to have something to combat uh, the, the lack of light we were going to um, have in the, in the winter time Okay, so did it all go to plan or are there any? Uh, time wise it, it was on schedule uh, it was delivered on time and I think um, the first, you know, a brand new, brand new surface. Uh, it's, it's always going to be a, a little bit um, in an environment like this to see how it's going to perform because it's an unknown for everyone. No, no one's. I say every stadium is different, and so the first year was was interesting to see how things would react. So you've learned some lessons. Yeah, as you right. along. Yeah, that's right. After the first year, we did we did um, change the surface slightly into the second year. We did take some of the material out and put some uh, fresh material into the, into the root zone. Um, just how it was playing at the time, we wanted to just make it um, a little bit um, more forgiving on impact. Uh, the design itself, the fiberlastic design, is meant to be that, that yeah. way to help with impact. And so we just tweaked it around into the second year. And then from then on, uh, we've got it pretty much as, as, as the players uh, would like it and the manager would like it to be, and, and how we find it performs when we do our testing on the surface uh, instruments etc to give readings which is yeah. good, it's good to have but um, at the end of the day it's what the players it's what they it's what they say and the manager says it should be it's a, a fantastic facility a long time coming but mm. fantastic facility worth it in the end so five years down the line then from that yep. first day is it where you'd expect it to be now in terms of the quality of the surface i think so the season had just gone the, the winter was quite harsh uh, it wasn't particularly cold winter it was a very wet winter autumn winter long long periods of rainfall that made it very difficult for um, for us to work on the pitch 
and and that's I think whether that's a trend that's going to happen in the future or not, I don't know. You know, obviously everyone knows it's going to be wet in the winter, yeah. and, you, and it's going to be you know as many days are going to be as wet as dry. But there was prolonged spells this year that that did hinder. Uh, maintenance at times and, and that made it a little bit uh, difficult to keep the standard right up where we'd like it to have been. Previous uh, couple of years I think it's been very good and, and, the, and the team's been very pleased with it. Okay so the team that you've got helping you on that then you've got obviously the uh, training facility over in Lansing. Yes that's right. Um, you've got this stadium here You've got a mix of synthetic and natural surfaces over at Lancaster. That's right. And you've got an indoor pitch as well. We have. We have got an indoor pitch. So uh, you've got quite a bit to look after. <laughs> yes, what sort right. of size team you got? So down at the, at the training ground, um, I've got a team of 10 staff. Okay. I, I've got two uh, supervisors and eight ground staff. And at the stadium, I've got a, a team of three. So you, you lean quite heavily on them because I guess you're splitting your time between both sites, are you? Yes, that's right. Um, my, my main office is at the, at the training ground. Uh, obviously, the, the, the size of the, of the facility down there, yep. uh, a, bit, a bit more of my input needed. But I, I do go between the two. I'm on both sides most days. So, Steve, you know, move away from football for a second. Mm -hmm. um, last September, Rugby World Cup. That was a bit different for you. Yes, it was. Uh, we we had uh, had a rugby match here in the spring last year to prepare us a little bit yeah. as, a, as a sort of a trial run but also to be entertaining and under 20s down here for a game which was uh, the first time first rugby match we had here and that went well okay that went very well uh not we weren't sure of course how it's going to perform the pitch we had the this uh, uh under 20s game um in march but as it happened it turned out okay um i, I thought the pitch handled it well so that gave me a little bit of a a little bit of comfort yeah. that we had a game already before we got to September for the for the actual World Cup itself. And what real changes did you have to make to the surface? The uh, the fixtures they tried to accommodate as much as possible fixtures around it. Um, it worked out okay uh, after the event, but prior to the event we had a football match here on the Tuesday night, right? Uh, which was uh, three days prior to the training on the pitch. The captain's runs yeah. took place on the Friday and then two matches Saturday Sunday. So it was a, a little bit of a reasonable uh, a quick turnabout considering what the occasion was. Sure. You know, we, we knew it was going to be televised worldwide. Uh, yeah, a bit of pressure on to, to get it looking as, as best it could for the cameras and also playing as well as for the players. So, um, so can you get the grass to the required length in that time? or is Well, it we, we, I did try to set it as best I could with the materials we can use to force growth, to get it to kick yeah. in very quickly. Um, timing of applications, obviously nutrition, um, so that when we played the football match on the Tuesday, the grass was, was really loaded up to go. Yeah. And then by letting uh, it develop over the, the three days before the captain's runs, um, we, we got up the height a bit more, which helped, okay. I think, which did help. So, exciting times. Did you get yes. much guidance or help from the RFU or Keith Kent? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Uh, and Keith Kent was, was great. We went up to Twickenham. All the groundsmen that were involved in the Rugby World Cup, the, the various venues. Uh, we spent some time up there at Twickenham with Keith, going through um, his, his, his advice and his tips to, to get our pitches ready uh, to take these rugby matches. And uh, that, that was brilliant. Um, so the Rugby World Cup um, organisers were very good. They gave us all the help that we could we could ever want really in in getting the surfaces uh, turned around from football in the, in the football stadiums ready for rugby. So it's great. So high point of your career or one of them? You've had a yes. few, I'm sure. <laughs> What's left on the ambition trail for you? Then what do you want to achieve? 
Uh, I mean, obviously, I love it for the for us to get to the Premiership, yeah. the Premier League. You know, everyone in the club does, and um, to be able to then create the surfaces then for Premiership football would would be fantastic. Uh, and um, the training ground is we've been there two years now. We, we're sort of getting getting it to flow now. It takes a little bit of time to settle in down there, yeah. and I think there's scope for development there still to to move forward with um, technical aspects. Uh, try out new things all the time if we can um, to try and improve even more than we can give the players so they present challenges you don't sound like you're a man that's uh, fearful of a challenge and, and you like to take things on um, do you think you, you know, you're one of the innovators in the game um, I'd like to try and communicate with other people I can it's time management um, for myself as, as with other grounds managers it's, it's difficult sometimes to, to factor in everything you want during the working week but um, I certainly like to do what I can research-wise when I can okay. and, and take on board other people's thoughts and opinions and, and, and put them into practice when possible to try and see what they can achieve, what it achieves for us. So what do you so, do for that research? Is it trade shows, trade mags, websites? That's right, yeah, that, that's it. I mean, our communication in the industry, I, yeah. I think, is very important. If we're going to try to get a level that uh, some of the governing bodies want to get a uniform uh, uh, standard, in, in the sense of being a very high standard, I think, of surface. And the more we can communicate around ideas, uh, whether that's from suppliers, from our consultants, and, and obviously through the, the industry, uh, networking, magazines, etc., um, is great. Okay, so you're continuing to push things forward. You've got a, a great setup here. Steve, thanks for your time, and you know, good luck. And here's hoping we see you in the Premiership very soon. Thanks, Martin. Cheers.